Amen. It's good to see you. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, beginning in verse, where are we? I think it's verse 24. I was going to say 34, but that was way wrong. Verse 24. We're still going through the gospel according to Matthew, and we're looking at this section now of Jesus's parables, and he dives into a parable today where we really are on the farm again. Last week was on the, the parable of the sower who sowed different seeds, who sowed the same seed in different kinds of soils, and the soils responded in different ways because of the different nature and heart, and that's who we are. We respond in certain ways to the gospel because of the work that's happening to us and the work that Jesus wants to invite us into. And now Jesus takes us again back to the farm and he tells us about the parable of the sower now with wheat and weeds. And why are there wheat in God's field and why are there weeds in God's field? And let's listen to what Jesus tells us beginning in verse 24. And if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of the word of Christ. And our brother Matthew tells us by the power of the spirit that he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servants came to him and said, master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. Now skip down to verse 36. Then when the crowds left, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He replied, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed. These are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and gather and will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin, those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears listen. You may be seated. Did you ever play that game Mafia? Play the game Mafia, yeah. Uh, did you ever lose friends over the game Mafia? Did that ever happen? If you don't know what Mafia is, it's a game where you sit around and you're with friends and cards are dealt out. And if you get a certain card, you either become um, the cop or you either become the Mafia. And what happens is you sit there, there's a narrator and he says, okay, everybody close your eyes, everybody to sleep. And everyone closes their eyes, every head bow, every eye closed. Um, and he says, Mafia, wake up. Mafia wakes up and says who they want, which one of their friends they want to kill in the game. And says, okay, take them out. He says, okay. Narrator says, go to sleep. Cop, wake up. Who do you think, you know, it is? Cop says, oh, I think it's them. Narrator says, okay, put your eyes down, blah, blah, blah. And then narrator says, you know, they were going around the other day. They were driving and they arrived at Academy and then to go by their fishing license and they got stabbed in the back by, you know, the murderer. 
And the townspeople now, everyone else says, I know who it is. Because when the narrator's telling the story, I saw Steve Egloff smile. It's Steve Egloff. It's, no, it's not Steve. It's Zach Godbold. Because when we said Steve, Zach Godbold smiled and he laughed. And Zach has a very iconic laugh. Have you ever heard Zach Godbold laugh? Ask him at the fall festival. Zach laughed for us. And you're going to love it. And then other people say, no, no, no. It wasn't Zach. It wasn't Steve. And then they give their defense and all this stuff. And round and round and round and round, everybody goes. And then they, all the townspeople have to decide which of their friends they're putting on trial. And then they put them on trial. They go to death row. And then the narrator says, everybody go back to sleep. Townspeople go to sleep. They wake up and to only discover another murder has occurred. We put the wrong person on death row. And on and on this game goes. It is engineered for you to fight with one another. Uh, I have seen legit arguments and yelling break out over mafia between Christians over a game. And I bet if we went through our church's records and pulled up counseling, couples counseling forms, reason for visit, mafia. I, I just, I bet it's there. And when I read this parable, I thought about mafia. Because in that game, it, you're designed, oh, I think it's this person, I think it's that person, you're always wrong. And Jesus tells this parable about the wheat and the weeds. And he heard the servants say, do you want us to rip out the weeds? And Jesus says, no, because you guys are not good at it. Because you're gonna try to rip up the weeds and you're gonna pull up wheat at the same time. You're gonna injure believers by the way you think you're handling unbelievers. And that's a great caution for us today. How we treat one another, how we treat people who are not in Christ, how we treat people who are in Christ. We need to hear from Jesus how we're to operate and how to view salvation in this world. And that's where it begins. As Jesus tells this parable about weeds and wheat, notice what happens in verse 36. I love the humility of the disciples here. I love their humility. Look, they say to him, his disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. We don't know what you're talking about. I love that from them because, listen, if you never do that when you read the Bible, if you never say to yourself and to Christ, I don't know what this is about, you will never understand the Bible. We need the humility of the disciples to go to Christ by the power of the Spirit and say, please explain your word to me. I don't get it. Jesus invites our pleas for help. So do this in your Bible reading. And that's what these guys did with Jesus. And Jesus shows them, here's what this is about. The weeds are this. The wheat is this. The harvesters are this. And so look at it today. Here's the first thing we see about this parable that we need to remember is that Jesus is the one, Jesus is the one who sows salvation. Jesus is the one that sows salvation. So the parable begins with Jesus saying, the kingdom of heaven which is the reign and redemptive rule of God that is now manifested throughout the world and is taking over the world. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man sowing good seed in his field. And that's how anyone gets saved. You got saved because Jesus Christ sowed salvation, planted seeds of salvation into your heart. That's how anybody gets saved. And Jesus says, I am the one sowing the seed. I'm the one that sows seeds of salvation. That's why he calls himself in verse 37. Look, the one who sows this good seed is the son of man. And that's a phrase from Daniel, prophet Daniel highlighting the one who would be God and who would save God's people from their sins. But let's just, let's just think about the, the phrase son of. Son of in, in the Bible. Three things. You see it with Jesus in, in the New Testament. Son of God, son of man, son of David. 
How else is son of used in the Bible? We see it all over the Old Testament. Isaac, son of Abraham. David, son of Jesse. What's it trying to say? They're connected to each other. David's connected to Jesse. Isaac is connected to Abraham. There's a relatedness, a connectedness. That's where he came from. So when the Bible calls Jesus the son of God, it is saying this is where Jesus came from. This is who Jesus is connected to. He came from heaven. He is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. And when the Bible says he's the son of man here, it's saying Jesus is connected to us, men and women, to humans. He relates to us now as the son of God in flesh, not God junior, but fully God in flesh. And he's for us now. Son of David, he's from David. He's the lineage of David. And this is the one who is planting gospel seeds of salvation, showing us, this, pa- this passage is showing us and reminding all of us that even in dark, bleak times like today, Jesus is at work. Jesus is at work in this world. If you remember last week's parable, Jesus builds off of it where the seed is the message of the gospel how you can be saved, how you can be forgiven, how you can have all of your sins forgiven, how you can be made new by the gospel of the kingdom of Christ's death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. You receive that seed and you believe and it gives rise to wheat now in this parable. And notice where Jesus says the salvation is sown, where it's spread. Look at what he says in verse 38. The field that he's, you know, in the parable, the field is the world's. What does Jesus say the field is? Often we assume to thinking it's the church. Maybe you're familiar with a story and you've thought of it as it's the church. There are, there are, there's wheat in the church and there's weeds in the church. There are people that are really Christians in the church and there are people that are not really saved. That's not what this parable is teaching. There are other places where Jesus, is, will, te- where Jesus will teach that. There are sheep and, and there are goats. But right here, he's not talking about the church. He says, the field is the world. The whole world from North Houston to Norway, from Iran to Illinois, Jesus looks at the world and says, this is my field. This is all mine. And I'm at work in my field. I'm not just at work in the church. I'm at work in Norway. I'm at work in Canada. I'm at work in Chile. I'm at work in Colombia. I'm spreading, Jesus is spreading gospel seeds all around his world. And we kind of get this, what it's like to have a field-ish. Our 0.04 acres that we have in the suburbs, our little patches of earth that we tend to, mowing our grass, paying someone to mow our grass, like I do, weeding our flower beds. Natalie loves to go out and get the weeds out of the flower beds, putting new flowers in. I go out and I spread the brown patch. I don't know what in the world that is, but you spread brown patch stuff. We, just, we take care of our little part of earth. And as Jesus preaches this parable, floating on a boat in some Israeli waters, he holds a compass in his hand and says, north from here, south from here, east from here, and west from here, it is all mine. I am not just some ter- territorial God. I'm not just laying claim to Israel. The whole world is my field and the gospel's going everywhere. This is what Jesus is reminding us. Don't have a small view of the gospel. Don't limit the power of the gospel. 
The gospel is like Lego. And if you have kids in your house with Lego, you have ears to hear. I tell my son, leave your Legos in your room. But there are Legos on the kitchen table. Why? He shows them, playing with them, takes them around. There are Legos in the hallway that you step on in front of your children. And the Holy Spirit keeps you from scarring your children with words that could fly out of your mouth. There are Legos next to, on my nightstand right now. Because I love Legos. No, because he carries them. He loves them. He spreads them around and he leaves them all over the house. And Jesus says, you're being a lot like Jesus, Oliver. This is good, buddy. It's very Christ-like. Jesus says, that's how the gospel is gonna be too. I am spreading gospel seeds of salvation all around the world. And listen, governments try to ban the gospel, don't they? And Jesus laughs. I'm spreading my gospel throughout the world. Iran is the fastest growing church in the world and it's illegal to be a Christian there. China exploding with Christians. I mean, we can go on and on and on. And when we in 21st century contemporary evangelicalism, when we doubt the power of the gospel and wonder if the gospel is relevant and wonder if the gospel will have any power unless we have snowflakes and motorcycles on the stage, Jesus goes and saves Kanye West. Well, the number one album on iTunes now reads, Jesus is King. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's amazing. And I, as I was listening to the album over and over and over and thinking about the parable of the seeds and the parable of the wheat, the children of the kingdom and the children of the evil one, just listen to these words from the song, God is from our brother in Christ, Kanye West. Everything that I felt, praise the Lord. Worship Christ with the best of your portions. I know I won't forget all he's done. He's the strength in the race that I run. Every time I look up, I see God's faithfulness and it shows just how much he is miraculous. I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. Everybody, I will tell till the whole world is healed. King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has in store. From the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus saved me, now I'm sane. And I know, I know God is the force that picked me up. I know Christ is the fountain that filled my cup. Beloved, Jesus saves he sows seeds of salvation. God is spreading the gospel message and he does it through people like you and me. Through normal wheat like you and me. You know how Kanye ended up in a normal church in Southern California? One of the members that he works with of that church invited him. He told their pastor in a small group, I, I work with Kanye at Adidas and um, he's been asking all these questions about the Bible and I'm trying to answer them and and one of the guys in the small group joked, well, invite Kanye to church. And everybody's like, yeah, invite him to church. Like he's gonna come to church. Kanye shows up week after week after week and discipled by the pastor. A simple act of kindness. Who could you invite? Who could you invite to come in here about the grace and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ? 
I know we all talk about we want to be evangelists and we, we got to be spreading the gospel individually and that is true. But if, you, if you're not ready to make that step yet, maybe you could just begin with the old time religion. Just invite somebody to church to come and hear the gospel. If Kanye West is going to church, maybe your boss is more open to the gospel than you thought. Maybe your coworkers, maybe your colleagues are more open to, more open to coming to church than you realized. The son of man is ready to spread his message and to spread his kingdom throughout the world through the children. That's what he says. Look, the field is the world and the good seed. These are the children of the kingdom. The children of the kingdom are spreading and they are at work and they are growing, but also at the same time, even though the wheat will be everywhere, Jesus reminds us that he has an enemy. It will be a bumpy road to be a Christian because Jesus has an enemy. Therefore, we have an enemy. Look at what he says in 39. So why are the wheat, why, why are weeds now growing among the wheat? Verse, the end of 38. The weeds are the children of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So, so back in the parable, the man plants good seeds and everyone goes to sleep and then they wake up and while they're sleeping, the enemy plants weeds in the midst of it, all, all around, all in it. And they see the sprouts in the coming weeks and notice, ah, there's, there's wheat and weeds. And we gotta do our best here to try to transplant ourselves to the first century or even maybe the 17th century. If you could just adjust the dials to anything pre-industrial revolution, we would understand this passage a little bit more because your field was your food. If we got, flower, if we got weeds in our flower beds, we don't go, oh no, my frozen pizza. <laughs> your field was your investment. Your field was your future, your everything. So this isn't like our gardens where they get little, you know, our flower beds, they get weeds sprouting up. This isn't even invite, like some invasive plant in our backyard. It's not a big deal. It doesn't affect your cash flow. If, if you had mushrooms growing in your salsa garden, you wouldn't panic. And if it was time to get your direct deposit from your boss, he wouldn't pull you into his office and say, hey, I, I couldn't pay you this week. I heard you had mushrooms in your salsa garden. They're irrelevant. But in this time, this is huge. If you're a wheat farmer and they have this weed all throughout your field, you would be in a panic. You would yell, mayday. I might lose the farm. I might lose everything here. All because your arch nemesis came and sabotaged your field. And so Jesus says, the children of the evil one, the unbelievers, the devil is to blame for what's happening in this world. The devil is to blame for the evil that's happening in this world. And he says in 39, it sowed, the one that sowed it is the devil. Beloved, there is a real devil in this world. And not like the one that Andy Gullihorn sings about. It's a great song, If I Were the Devil. Go listen to it. He says, if I were the devil, I wouldn't wear red. I wouldn't have horns or a pitchfork. I wouldn't breathe fire because that might give me away that if I were the devil, I, I might be a lot closer than you think. The devil has espionage, Cold War tactics. And he is trying to sabotage the kingdom of Christ, his field, but he can't because Jesus is wiser than the serpent. That's why when the servants say, hey, should we bring a blowtorch and, and just a flamethrower and just mow him down? Jesus says, no, wait, wait till it's fully grown. And then I will send my reapers, my angels, and then I will separate them apart. And so you gotta know that the devil is trying to sabotage your life. 
The evil one is trying to sabotage your walk with Christ, your nourishment with Christ. As you're in his field, getting nourishment from him, he brings in wheat to try to, it brings in weeds to try to siphon off nutrients from you. And so you gotta know that and, and you gotta fight it. But how does, how does the devil work? Well, how does, how does the son of man work? He says, I'm planting seeds, words of the kingdom that turn into wheat. He, Jesus works with words. How does the devil work? With words. Genesis chapter three, the devil speaks. Did God really say? And now we're here. And the devil wants to bring words to you too. He wants to print off gossip magazines of your life, like the ones you see at HEB there at the checkout counter. You'll never believe what so-and-so was doing. You never believe what they look like when they're not sucking in their gut and all that kind of stuff. You know those magazines, rehashing celebrities' problems and struggles. The Satan has the same production line for you. He does it through messages that he either tries to plant near you, other people to get in or around your life, reminding you of past sins, reminding you of struggles, reminding you of eating disorders, of addictions, of failures, of pornography, of greed, of envy, of lies, of drugs, bringing all these passwords back to you. That's why I love the song Embracing Accusation from Shane and Shane. A lot of songs today. I'll put a Spotify thing together. Go, go listen to Embracing Accusation from Shane and Shane where he says, the, the, Satan, the father of lies, they sing, is preaching the truth of God to me tonight. The devil's preaching. He's got seeds he's throwing to. That I am cursed and gone astray and that I cannot gain salvation. And at one point they sing, oh, the devil's singing over me an age-old song that I'm cursed and gone astray. But the devil, he's, he's singing the first verse so conveniently over me but he's forgotten the refrain, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Beloved, you have an enemy, but Jesus is wiser. Jesus is better. Jesus saves. And all of the evil in this world, right here in this passage, cannot stop the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is getting at. Because he knows as you become a Christian and as you walk with Christ, you see so many encouraging things happen in this world. You see revival, you see churches planted, you see people saved, but then you see ISIS, you see ch child trafficking, you see all kinds of horrible things in this world. You see churches bombed, and you see all kinds of evil. And Jesus is helping us see there are ways to think about this. Don't view it as the kingdom's losing. Think about it as the other kingdom's fighting and that kingdom will lose. All of the evil in this world cannot stop the kingdom of Christ. And what Jesus does here in this parable is he helps us think about evil. There are so much heinous things in this world that you, we see. And Jesus says, I'm gonna harvest it. I will take care of it. Evil will not win because Jesus is the judge and jury of history. So you remember back, back in the parable when they said, we got all these weeds, should we take them out? And Jesus says, no, you might accidentally pull up the wheat. And I wish our other elder, Skip Richter, would have preached this passage. He's a horticulturalist and he knows everything about every plant in the world. I thought, man, Skip should have preached this one. Well, there's a specific weed that Jesus probably has in mind, a lot of scholars said. 
There's a particular weed in Israel that at its early stages, it looks just like wheat. It looks just like wheat. And, and at that time, its seeds are actually toxic. But as it grows, as it matures, you can discern, oh, that's not, that's actually the weed. That's not the weed. That's not the one. It just looked like it early on, but that's not it. And so Jesus says, a day will come when it will be clear, what are the weeds? Who are the children of the evil one? Who are the wheat? Who are the children of the kingdom? And I will send out my angels and they will separate what needs to be separated. Look at verse 39 where he, he says, the harvest is the end of the age. The harvesters are angels. As we read this, Jesus is not, Jesus is really not speaking in allegorical parabolic language anymore. Now he's giving the explanation of what's gonna happen at the end of the age. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather from his kingdom, from, since now the kingdom has spread over the whole entire world, all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness, the angels will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the righteous, the children of the kingdom, will shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears listen. Do you notice as we read all the, all the hisses? His field, his angels, his judgment, his kingdom. Do you see all the his? Jesus is more than a good teacher. He is saying, I hold history in my hands. I make the calls. I know who's in and who's out. I know the wheat from the weeds. Jesus is saying, the burden of judgment day rests on my shoulders. The burden to judge the world is not ours, it is his. We will all stand before King Jesus. We are not the judge and jury. We're the eager servants in the passage who say, let's, let's rev up all the weeds. Let's start a discernment blog. Jesus says, you guys don't know what in the world you're doing is you're actually hurting the wheat, trying to rip out the weeds. This is a good word for our era of Christianity right now, the internet era of Christianity, because some Christians are too harsh with their judgments, telling people to go home. They need to be told to go home. We think people that disagree with us are false teachers. When we just disagree and we end up hurting other wheat. We end up misjudging people that we're not meant to judge. There are whole scare quote ministries that spend time pointing out weeds when they don't realize they're hurting the wheat. So I'm gonna say this, listen, there are whole websites dedicated to tearing down Christians. So if you have stumbled upon the website, pulpit and pen, delete it from your history and delete it from your mind. Those are people masquerading as believers that attack the wheat over and over and over, spreading lies and gossip and deceit. It is a satanic website. And I see it get shared on Facebook all the time. Do not read those lies. And I know they're lies because they have attacked friends of mine, spread lies about some of them. There are whole ministries that spend time being the judge and jury. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. I'm the judge and jury. Whoever has ears, listen, as Paul preaches in, in Acts 17 about how God calls all people to repent, all people to come to believe in the crucified Christ because, in Acts 17 says, he has set a day when he is going to judge the world 
and righteousness by the man he has appointed. There is one man. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So the risen Christ is now the one who says, I stand over the field and I make the judgments where things are going to go. Beloved, we are not just bumbling about our lives. Our lives have a finality to them. This is part of the heart of Jesus' parable. Our lives have an endpoint, a death and then a judgment. And then afterlife is around the corner. So, so where will you be? Where will you be when harvest day comes? Jesus is talking about hell. And this is one reason why I love preaching through books of the Bible, because we would probably just avoid a passage like this. But when you preach through books of the Bible, you have to talk about things that you wouldn't gravitate to, like talking about hell. Hell is as real as the devil, as real as Jesus, as real as you and me. And I know thinking about hell makes us uncomfortable. And it should. It is not pleasant to talk about hell. But listen, we have to address because Jesus does. Jesus is not afraid to talk about hell. In fact, it would be unloving if Jesus didn't tell us about hell. I, I warn my children when I'm, when I'm in the kitchen and I'm opening the oven and I'm taking something out, I'm taking their pizza out, 475 degrees, pumping out of there, the door hot, 475, and I tell them, hey, 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 don't, don't run through here, it's hot. It's gonna burn you, go, go around, go around the other way. And when Jesus talks about hell, he's telling us, hey, watch out, this will hurt you. Go the other way, turn around. And in 41, look at what he says, who goes to hell? Those who cause sin. Talking about those who harm others, who cause others to sin, leading people into more guilt before God, those who promote sin and those guilty of lawlessness, those who sin. Everyone in this room, everyone listening online, those who have committed evil, who sin, who, whose lives are against God's word, then I, I know this can sound harsh, but let's, let's just think about, about hell for a second. We all agree there's evil in this world. We don't even have to think about big catastrophic events like the Holocaust and genocides in Africa. We think about stuff happening just on the newsfeed recently. What ISIS does to women of other religions? What about those who traffic women and children? What about those who abuse children? What do you want God to do with them? People that object to hell and how, how could a good God send people to hell? How could, how could a good God have a hell in his universe? Well, what do you want God to do with those who traffic children? What do you want God to do with all of the evil in this world? What do you want God to do with Hitler? It is unfair to complain about the existence of evil in the world and also complain about hell. Because God says, that's what I'm going to do with evil. I'm getting it out of the universe and into the netherworld where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. So as you think about hell, and, and, and if you are upset by the teaching of hell, uh, or you talk to people who, who disagree with hell, let's think about these things together. So we agree that Hitler and child traffickers should go to hell and get justice. So we 
agree on some level, there is some kind of standard for who should go to hell, who should receive justice from God. So now we know there's a standard, but who has the actual standard? Who's the judge and jury? Where's the line? And God says, I'm the judge and jury. Jesus says, I am. And anyone that commits lawlessness, anyone who goes against God's word, the arc of their life, the design of their life against God, Jesus says, when the harvest day comes, that will be burned. So, So listen, if you are offended by hell, good. If you're offended by hell, good. Just don't end there. If you accept that hell exists, that offends you, good. Keep going, though. What I mean is, don't accept the offensiveness of hell and dismiss the offer of heaven. It is incompatible to say, I am upset that hell exists, and then, but I, I want to reject what that heaven's offered to me. The Lord of hosts says, if you're upset by heaven, guess what? You don't have to go there. I offer my heaven to you. Don't be put off by hell and also put off the offer of salvation. That's what Matthew's all about. By faith in Jesus, you can be saved from the burning furnace. We all deserve hell. I deserve hell. You deserve hell. But Jesus saves. He takes our lawlessness. He takes all of our sins. He took all of the hell that we deserve there at the cross. Our sins are nailed to him and he dies for them. God's justice is carried out on him. And he rose from the crypt showing us you can have new life. You can shine like the sun in the father's kingdom. Listen, no one gets away with anything in God's field. Either These are the options. Either Jesus pays for your sins or you do. This is God's justice. Either Jesus pays for your sins and Jesus is more than willing to do so or you pay for them and you should not be willing to do so. No one gets away with anything. The burning furnace is heating up. The angels are preparing their their tools. The children, you can be a child of the kingdom because of the king. So where will you be on harvest day? Will you be a child of the kingdom or will you remain a child of the evil one? And the good news of the gospel is that God has been running his adoption program for centuries. He loves adopting children of the evil one. This room is full of them. And we're about to have a big old family gathering too. Whoever has ears, let him hear what Jesus says. Let's pray together. King Jesus, help us. Help us understand your word and what it means for us today. That we would live as children of the king. That we would not be quick to be judge and jury. You haven't called us to take up your tasks, Jesus that we would patiently love and patiently serve and respect everyone in our sphere. And that we would, we would believe in you. 
believe in your gospel message, that, that word of the kingdom, that seed that falls on good soil and gives rise to the wheat. And Lord, if anyone here is worried that maybe they're a weed, maybe they're not in the kingdom, that you would show them the, the adoption line, how they could place their faith in your son and be saved. And Lord, if we're in your kingdom now, those of us that are in your kingdom now, help us to live it and to follow Christ and to tell people how they could, how they could join the king and be on his side when judgment day comes. Thank you, Jesus, that you save. You save to the uttermost. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.